defense, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 15, I think. I I can't keep track of these, Um, but this is a very special episode. This is our last episode of 2018. This will be our best, worst um, recap of the year, just kind of... Hitting the tentpole moments, uh, the surprises, everything in between, all the big movie moments of the past 12 months. But before we get to that, Josh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, man. It's been a a rough couple weeks, but I'm looking forward to vacation next week. And I'm actually getting to go up to Tennessee to hang out with my family for like a week in like a cabin up in the mountains. So uh, it'll be fun. Yeah, like we're doing like like a movie Christmas, so like I don't, I'm pretty excited. Wow, going full redneck. Hey, you know what? I don't look. I could uh, talk, go and talk to a thousand other people, but I am here with you. There is no reason to come at me like that. <laughs> I'm just, redneck's not necessarily a bad thing. It is in Texas. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I'm really looking forward to this episode. I love year-end recaps, and there's a lot of stuff to talk about. The highs, the lows, everything in between. So we're just going to jump right into it, and there's not any movie news topics this week. As much as we want to talk about that train wreck that is the genie picture. Oh, boy. Or that Hellboy trailer. Sorry, guys. Not talking about it today. Just focusing on the recap of the past couple months. Well, 12 months to be specific. Well, uh, what do you want to start with first, Josh? Biggest surprises, disappointments, flops, comebacks? Let's, let's, go, let's go ahead and get the flops out of the way, because those are always the uh, the most depressing. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have a list in front of us of some of the biggest flops of the year. Just to take a stroll down memory lane. Unfortunately... Mm-hmm. Three of these flops belong to one company, which I think is super weird that they're kind of the definition of highs and lows this year, and that's Disney. Disney got real high up on the mountaintop with Avengers Infinity War, and then it came crashing back down to Earth with a trifecta of Solo, Nutcracker in the Four Realms, and A Wrinkle in Time all flopping hard on their faces. Oh, dude. And see... It's just saying something because I still haven't seen Solo, but I've also not felt like I need to make that effort to go see Solo. Yeah, having seen Solo, I think, twice? I honestly can't even remember if I've seen it twice or not. It is absolutely skippable, minus a really good cameo at the end, which... For the Expanded Universe fans, it's not at all surprising, but for those who don't keep up with, like, Rebels or Clone Wars or any of the Expanded material, they might be super confused. And even more confusing is the Disney executives that came out and said, oh, no, we just kind of put this character in because we needed a cool cameo reveal at the end. And I'm just going, oi, maybe you deserve to flop. And we also had two other flops. Robin Hood. Shocker, we saw that coming a mile away. And Mortal Engines. Both of these movies are poised to lose the company like a hundred plus million dollars of the five that we've mentioned so far. Solo, Nutcracker, Wrinkle in Time, Robin Hood, and Mortal Engines. What's the most surprising flop to you, Josh? Um, 
Well, maybe to yeah, maybe it was just the interest that I have in the actors that are in it. But Robin Hood to me seemed like it could, on paper, like it could have been a really good time. You know what I mean? Just look, based alone on the actors in the movie, it it could have been a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I I never got my hopes up very much for Robin Hood, primarily because of the betrayal I felt last year with King Arthur <laughs> by Guy Ritchie. I will never get over how bad yeah. that was. For me mm-hmm. personally, it's going to sound weird, but solo flopping surprised me. Not that I'm surprised it didn't live up to Disney's expectations. I'm surprised at how much it underperformed. To me, I thought, throw a Star Wars movie out there, and it's at least going to do decent at the box office. That is not the case anymore because people definitely stayed away from this. But I guess on my part, all the warning signs were there. I, as a fan, was even saying all these warning signs of it's a movie no one wants to see. It's a character we all love, but we don't really need his backstory for it. kind of takes away some of the mystery. Uh, there's other characters, Obi-Wan, that we want to see their um, movie instead, not solo and all the writing was on the wall i still didn't think it was going to be as much of a flop financially as it was and a kind of a flop creatively as it's just kind of there I, yeah i don't know it still surprised me how much it flopped maybe um a wrinkle in time could have done better financially but from all the reviews i've seen I, it didn't deserve to make a lot of money no, it didn't. It was, I've, I've actually, I don't know how, but I've seen Wrinkle in Time and it's Why? not good. I don't know. I don't remember how I watched it. I think maybe it was just on a TV somewhere and I happened to see it or I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's not good. Nutcracker in the Four Realms seemed like it could have been fun, but I haven't gotten a chance to actually watch it yet, but I yeah. The problem with Nutcracker in the Four Realms when it was announced, at least on my perspective, is wondering who the heck it was marketed for. It looked too dark and bleak for kids, and also kids aren't super familiar with the Nutcracker. Like, that's not going to make kids go, ooh, I need to see the Nutcracker movie with Morgan Freeman. And it was too dumb for adults who are probably more familiar with the Nutcracker story. Yeah. Really, I think it's what to me. I would even add it to the list of biggest disappointments because a live action modern day Nutcracker story with today's CG would be awesome, and you can make that really compelling. But no, we're gonna we have to have another a otherworldly, you know, feel to it. Well. Yeah. Do you want to dovetail that into our biggest disappointments then? Let's go, man. Why not? Let's just let's just keep going on this sad train that we got. Um, mm-hmm. So disappointments we're going to put as movies that we were hoping were going to be good. We're kind of expecting to be good and didn't necessarily live up to the hype. So if we had low expectations for them, they're not on this list. So Jurassic Park... Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is not on my list, at least for biggest disappointments, because I already had an incredibly low um, standards for the movie. But, oh, I'm going to roast that pig later. Um, Mm -hmm. Biggest disappointments, though, at least from my notes, Pacific Rim Uprising and Christopher Robin. 
Oh man, I wanted both of these to be so much better than they actually were. Especially uh, Christopher Robin, because that trailer, all of the trailers just got me. Yeah, I was fooled by the trailers again on that, but then the movie itself doesn't have the charm or the heart or even... Like, they get the characters of Pooh, Tigger, and all the other animals absolutely perfect. It's everything else that kind of sucks. Yeah. And for me, I'm a visual guy in a movie, and it's kind of annoying when you have the 100 Acre Woods is a certain color palette because it's make it's make-believe. It's imaginary. It's the world of fun and whimsy. It's the same color palette as the real world, and when the whole movie is just drab and bleak and colorless, it it's mm-hmm. not that engaging of an environment. And Ewan McGregor tried his best as Christopher Robin, but it's just... It just did not yeah. work. Um, that that being said, I can get why Christopher Robin has been nominated for Best Visual Effects in a movie. That Everything looks great. The stuffed animals of Pooh and Tigger and everybody else look phenomenal. It's everything else involved in the movie that really weighs this thing down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and really, like, that's the kind of the epitome of both of these, is Pacific Rim is coming off one of, uh, Uprising anyway, is coming off one of the biggest surprises of... Uh, was it because uh, Pacific Rim was 2016, yeah? Do you say 16? 16 or 15? Dude, I think it was like 2013. Really? It was a it was a while back. Let me fact check it while you ramble about it. It was mainly yeah, that I they took it. too long to make this movie. Yeah, that because that was part of the reason why this was a kind of a disappointment was. Uh, over the years, because if I remember right, Pacific Rim did not do well at the box office. It was and 2013. It, okay, yeah. It, if I remember right, it didn't do well at the box office, but it, it people started watching it like once it was out of the theaters and it got this huge, dare I say, cult following. Because it's actually a really fun movie. Yeah, it um, did really well with the international markets. Um Shocker, a kaiju movie does well overseas. Um, no way. But, yeah, the first one was a sleeper hit for me. I've, I saw it in theaters, and I was like, why not? And I had a ton of fun with it. It's a great theater movie. Then they took way too long for Uprising to come out. There was a whole talk of, will Guillermo del Toro come back, which he ended up not, and apparently didn't bring half the cast back with him for Uprising. And then, it's... Uprising, to me, had so much potential of, they're like, okay, you want more giant robot and kaiju fights? We'll give it to you. You want Finn from Star Wars? We'll give it to you. Awesome. We're going to give you a really dumb movie in addition to it, which is the frustrating part because there's so much potential to the Pacific Rim franchise and the fans that wanted a second Pacific Rim, the story to continue that they loved from the first one, were given this. Yeah, it's it's not a good film. It's not even fun like the first one, and which is really really disappointing. So we've been talking about all this sad stuff. So why don't we <laughs> make a comeback 
<laughs> wow. With these movies are uh, big uh, com- comebacks of the year. Yeah, and actually, the weird thing is, none of these really are a specific movie. Well, one of them is, but isn't. Um, so we're going to talk about, at least from our perspective, some of the best comeback stories of the year. First of all, the Halloween franchise of Michael Myers. Welcome back, Michael. I am absolutely terrified of you again, which is something I have not been able to say in years. Um, holy crap, the Halloween franchise was saved this year in a big way. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm going to sit here and agree because I believe you and I trust what you say. I still haven't been able to see it yet. So January 15th, man. <laughs> January 15th. It comes on Blu-ray. Yeah, and then we'll just slide into the digital copy and I'll just watch it that way. <laughs> yep. But uh, let's just say Halloween, more than almost any other horror franchise, except for maybe Bad Luck Friday the 13th, which... Fingers crossed for, I can't believe I'm saying this, a LeBron James Friday the 13th movie. Um, Halloween was in the doldrums of a franchise. It had been almost 10 years since we had a Halloween movie, even longer since we had a good one. I know you Mm -hmm. love it, um, but I did not like Halloween Resurrection. I thought the last good (laughs) Halloween movie we had was H2O. And that was 1998. I mean, but hold on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You just like Trick or Treat, Mother Effer, and Buster Rhymes. Okay. Yeah, I love that. How can you not? Which but I'm also, gonna... well, um, Rob Zombie's first one is, is pretty good. It's okay. Also, circling back to Halloween Resurrection... Are you a fan of Buster Rhymes in that movie just because he's a martial arts fan? No, I mean, partially, but I think it's hilarious. The concept in my brain is you have this, like, downtrodden, like, ex-rapper who has decided to put on an MTV show and is hiding his obsession with martial arts movies from the world. I, I mean, I think I make it into a much a bigger thing than it actually is, but I just think it's absolutely hilarious. I think you're just living vicariously through Buster Rhymes in Halloween Resurrection. Exactly. But yeah, it's been a long time since we had a good Halloween movie, and the franchise was like at an all-time low. My expectations were incredibly high for Halloween, as we've discussed numerous times, and I walked away so happy with it. But also, not just that, it seemed to revitalize... The slasher genre, as now there's talks about a Friday the 13th coming back. There's um, a Candyman movie remake or reboot in the works. It seems to revitalize. Horror is at an all-time high right now, but it seems like Halloween may be bringing back the 80s slasher style of horror, which I'm always game for. Um, I'm so glad to see this franchise come back, but done in a good way of Michael is terrifying again. It's wonderful Mm -hmm. to be scared of Michael Myers again, but also get characters to root for, because that's one of the reasons why I like the Halloween franchise, is more so than Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, there's characters that you can like, and this movie gave us some really good ones with Lori, who will always be my scream queen. She's She's just the best. But then... The baton is passed to Allison, who is just as worthy of a successor in this franchise as the new Laurie, but 
not being Laurie. It's a great comeback story for the Halloween franchise, and I want to see more of this Halloween. And, oh, man, it's it was brutal. Michael Myers did not knock on the door. He came bursting through the door of the horror genre. It's a weird metaphor that I'm going with, but I'm sticking with it because Michael is back and he's here to stay until they torpedo the franchise again. Well, I mean, that's going to happen because money's money, yo. Yo, yo. And I will stick with Michael through all the crap because Myers lives forever. However, to me, there's a bigger story going on in terms of comebacks. And I hadn't thought about it at the time, but the more I think about it, yeah, it's true. I got to give credit where credit's due. Sony Pictures has really turned it around in 2018. Oh, absolutely. Like, they are proving they probably don't need Spider-Man anymore. This was also going to be one of the news topics that we discussed if we did do news topics, but it seems like um, Spider-Man's going to be staying in the MCU for a while, which is great. Um, It seems like Sony's been really happy with the deal, but also due to the success of Venom, they don't really need Spider-Man. They can have a successful franchise around Venom, which is great. Say what you will about Venom, but holy crap, that movie is absolutely surprising the crap out of me in terms of box office sales. Oh, yeah. That thing is destroying everything. Have you seen the numbers on Venom lately, I really Josh? Have. I mean, I knew, I knew it, was, it was doing okay, but I, I, didn't, I haven't seen the numbers. Where, where do you think it's at right now? Um... I'd say at least a mil. Wait, did you say at least one million? Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't uh, know what you want from me, man. I I went low. Okay? I went, made a million dollars so far. <laughs> That's wow. a good thing, isn't it? Try yeah. it's made over eight hundred million. Oh well, that's you know that's almost as much as I guessed. Just a little bit more. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, math has never been Josh's strong suit. No, it hasn't. Four by four equals 18. Anyway. Um... <laughs> Considering the, I'll say, lukewarm reception to Venom, this surprises the crap out of me. But at the same time, go Sony. You prove that you don't yeah, necessarily man. need Spider-Man. And also, this is going to be my hot take for the episode, probably one of many. You don't need to make Venom rated R to have it be successful. You just proved it. I mean, I think you and I already said said that you don't need to make Venom rated R, but yes. <laughs> well, apparently they need to make Deadpool rated R as Once Upon a Deadpool is getting really lukewarm receptions. But that's not the topic we're discussing. Um, yeah, go Venom. Holy crap. Venom and Black Panther yeah. are both two of the movies that well, I thought they're fine, have far surpassed my box office predictions and probably the box office predictions of the companies that ran them. I don't think Marvel was expecting Black Panther to make 1.3 billion with a B. Holy crap, they were blown away by that. They I think they originally viewed Black Panther as a really good movie that acts as a pretty decent prequel to Infinity War. What it ended up being mm-hmm. was Black Panther like destroying everyone in its path that's not Infinity War. Yeah. 
Oh, dude, it really did. It's not. It's not even fair. I but I don't think some people took into account what Black Panther would mean, like culturally. Yeah, like there hasn't really been a whole lot of recent um, comic book movies with an African American lead and the cast. Yes, you had Blade, but that was a long time ago, and it was just Blade. This is almost entirely an African American cast, which. It's not a demographic that has been portrayed as largely as it should in film. The film is a lot of other nationalities. So people of that um, culture want movies that they can identify with. And that's, I think, a huge reason why Black Panther was as successful as it was. That and the fact that it was just a darn good movie. By no means is it my favorite Marvel movie. Honestly, I think it's a tad bit overrated, but I still really enjoy the crap out of Black Panther, but even I, when the movie was coming out, had no expectation that it would be $1.3 billion. That's ridiculous. $1 billion. (laughs) So the question of the day is, Nathan, you said that it's a billion with a B, but how else do you spell billion? emphasizing, because sometimes I need to work on my pronunciation. I didn't want you to think it was million because, you know, a movie's going to make one million dollars like Venom did. You know what? I don't... I don't need your your sass today, okay? (laughs) Okay, well, Sony keeps knocking out of the park, so I'm going to sass it and bring it around town back to Sony because not only did they knock it out of the park with Venom, Sony also, the, Sony, the people that brought us the f- Emoji movie, brought us the best animated movie of the year and probably the best comic book movie of the year with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This, to me, is one of the biggest surprises of the year. Holy crap, Into the Spider-Verse is something special. Yeah, and I bet that, that's going to be one of those, those movies that I, I see very soon here. Because it's it's inc- from every literally everybody that I've talked to has said that has seen it like and from all walks of life like not just n- complete nerds but everyone has said how awesome it is. Yeah, it's to me it's the Sony has had a one two punch of Venom and now into the Spider Verse. This thing is something special and I did not see it coming. It made like thirty five million opening weekend, but I think this thing is gonna have legs. Like this is really good and it proved that you don't have to have Peter Parker as your Spider Man to make a Spider Man movie work. I hope what the success of Into the Spider Verse shows more than anything that you don't need to have these big budget live action superhero movies. You can have smaller scale animated ones and they could work too. I would love to see more animated stuff, which actually dovetails perfectly into the biggest surprises of 2018 because there is one other animated comic book movie that I loved way more than I thought I ever would. Oh yeah. Josh, what is it? Teen Titans go to the movies. Which, oh, bro, us mentioning this movie that, is we probably so just good. lost half the people listening going, really? Bro, no, okay, so you have to understand, and for, new, for, for people that, you know, actually listen to us talk, 
Um, like Nathan came to me and was like, dude, you have to see this movie. Like, and obviously I was very skeptical because uh, neither of us are really big fans of the, the show at all. I've never watched it, whatever. So I, I borrow, <coughs> borrow Nathan's <laughs> um, digital copy account and it's on there. So it was like, when they met, I was like, I'll just watch it. Why not? And I ended up having some of the most fun watching a movie and rewatching a movie than I think I've had in years. And results of that, the other day I'm doing laundry at my brother's house and I was like, hey, do you want to watch Teen Titans go to the movie? And he rolled his eyes and I was like, do you trust me? And he's like, uh, kind of. It's like, cool. Just give it, give it 10 minutes. And he's like, okay, I can do that. So like, not like I didn't even have to ask him because he was like, oh, this, this is staying on. Like we are watching every second of this. And like he caught stuff that I didn't even catch. And it, it's, it's really, really cool. Um, just real quick, because I wanted to see if you caught it too. And it's really funny to me. Um, the D the, the tape, that they used to film the Robin uh, movie on uh, towards the beginning of the movie. Uh, it has young justice on the title and it yep. that scratched out. I didn't catch it the first time I saw it. Yeah. I, I remember it. that. So Dude, it is, it's a movie that literally every scene is just packed with Easter eggs. Yeah. Like or good luck just, catching just all the jokes joke. and Easter eggs on your first watch through. Cause it's it has the pace and comedic like tone of the Lego movie in terms of there's a joke every minute. Yes. And it, it they're good jokes is the thing too. Oh yeah. I think honestly it may be a I don't even think it's a stretch to say Teen Titans go to the movies is one of the best written comedies of the year. Oh dude, easily. Like, some of the easily. jokes are so wickedly clever. Like my favorite joke in the movie, this isn't spoiling anything, but they're trying to fool Superman, like more or less have him be a distraction or something. Yeah. And Superman is voiced by Nicolas Cage, which that's a whole other fantastic Easter egg right there. But um, they're trying to fool him or like deceive him. And Robin objects to it. He's like, you can't do that to Superman. He's a national treasure. Yeah. And I like died so laughing stupid. in the theater at that. I was like, that is so well done. It was it's it's a very well done movie and easily the biggest surprise of the year. Oh, it was so funny. Or there's a scene again without going into spoilers, there's a scene where they have to go back in time, and that whole sequence I think oh, I cried sequence. from laughing so hard. It's it's the best. It, the that music that they use for it makes it that much better. <laughs> the play streamers! Anyway, oh man, it's such a good movie. And if you have any kind of time, please go watch it. It's, it's fantastic, and it'll just rock your socks off. Now, I also have this one as uh, one of my biggest surprises of the year. However, I'm kind of questioning that because... I kind of thought that this movie would do well, and I thoroughly enjoyed the crap out of it, and that was Ready Player One. This movie was so much fun. I still haven't seen it. 
it, it, I know it's in the digital movie collection. I just haven't seen it yet. Now, I can't remember if this got nominated for Best in Visual Effects or not, but it needs to. This movie is is a salute to all things geeky, and it's it's just wonderful. It's not really a surprise that it did well, but I I really enjoyed it. I think we're getting a sequel. I can't remember, but we'll we'll have to see where we go from here with it. But I would love to see more of the world of Ready Player One. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to agree with you because I, I trust your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, well played, sir. Well played. Well, those are some big surprises. I liked Ready Player One. I liked Teen Titans Go to the Movies. I want more of both of them, primarily because I think Teen Titans Go to the Movies is the only chance we have at Nightwing, besides the Lego Batman 2, sadly. Nope. nope. It's going to happen. Believe in yourself and things will happen. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, Needed that. It's my movie. Well, my movie. My stupid my movie. Before, <laughs> before we get into our next couple categories to close us out for the year, we need a sponsor. Josh, you got a sponsor? Uh, no, I don't actually today. I got one. Go for it. We'll go with this episode is sponsored by DC Universe, your sole home. For Young Justice Season 3, dropping January 4th. I'm so excited. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm so ready for Young Justice Outsiders. I've been ready for way too long, and it's finally happening. Oh, yeah. I've been, uh, I've been not, I haven't been binging, but I've just been, like, skipping through the past two seasons. Oh, yeah, Heather and I are going been... through them right now. I'd like to show her all of them, because she has seen bits and pieces, I think, of Season 1. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, I'm so ready for it. Um, so a category that I've thought about before every year, there's one particular actor or actress that's like the breakout star of the year, or we'll give them the MVP award. I can kind of think of a couple different people that I might give the MVP award to, but for me personally, this person started the year off strong and they're ending the year off strong. So I'm going to give at least one of my MVP votes to Emily Blunt. Holy crap, is she having yes. a year? What a woman. What a woman. She started the year off with her husband, John Krasinski, in a movie that we will be talking at length about later, A Quiet Place, and she's wrapping it up with Mary Poppins Returns. She starts and ends the year so strong. This is her year, man. She really is, man. She like, and she's, it's not like this has come from nowhere though. Like the past couple of years, she's been sneaking in these little hits every now and then. Or like uh, cult hits like Edge of Tomorrow. She was really good in. The like movie's pretty good too. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. She, she's fantastic in it. Really? I don't think I've seen her. Oh, dude, I don't think I've seen her thinking about it now in a bad movie in the past three years. Uh, I'm sure she's been in stuff. But I don't necessarily know if she's been bad in stuff. Fair. Wasn't she going in? Wasn't she in The Devil Wears Prada? Because, you know, you're the person that would know that. I hate you. Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think she might have been. I don't want to talk about this. 
I don't. I don't even know if I've seen Devil Wears Prada. I, I've seen it once. I don't even know anyway, if I know what Prada we, is. Uh, it's a brand of clothing. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh knows things. I know things that I don't want to know. Dude, you're tearing. You drink and you know things. Yeah, I am, basically. Except you're probably like three feet taller. Uh, well, maybe. At least also, he has more hair than me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think Michael Jordan has more hair than you. Oh, rude. Because, you know, he's got a mustache, I think. I think. But, uh, no, I ha- he's got a mustache, but I've definitely got more beard, yeah. Well, I think I want to throw out another name for MVP. Another fantastic lady that's having a great year. Haley Steinfeld, of all people. Okay, you're going to have to remind me. So she originally was in the True Grit remake a couple years ago. That's more or less where she got her start. Then she was in the last two Pitch Perfects. What puts her on this list for me is honestly, just her December has been super strong, actually. She is the lead human in Bumblebee, which is getting rave reviews, but she also voices Spider-Gwen in Into the Spider-Verse, and she's fantastic in that. Oh, oh yeah. Sorry, I just, go- I just Googled her. Um, oh, my gosh, yes. She's always been one of my favorite actresses. She's super good. you can't good. pin the name down to her, yeah. You know what? Listen, we both know that I'm terrible with names, so just leave me alone, okay? I'm I'm still Nate, by the way. Anyway. <laughs> oh, which reminds me. One of my coworkers at work, where I've worked at my current location for over nine months, somebody thought my name was Ned. Jeez. I mean, to be fair, uh, the, all the training that I, I've done, the first, first like, Three months, uh, three of the vets called me Robert. Why? Because <laughs> they thought, they legit thought that was my name. <laughs> Do you even have a Robert in your family? Yeah, I mean, my... my Is that my Ben's grand, middle uh, name? My grandfather and Ben's middle name. But that's about Why it. do I know but your there, brother's there middle name? I know that. <laughs> I think I'm friends with him on Facebook, and then that's how I know him, I hope. Yeah, that's that's gotta be it. But we'll go with that, and not the yeah. fact that I'm just creepy. I mean, you are, but that's true. So, <laughs> circling back to Emily Blunt, as great as she's had year-wise, John Krasinski's also got to have a great year too. John Krasinski is literally going to be one of the biggest directs- directors. Biggest up and coming directors, I should say. I'm sorry. I was going to be like, of all time, but he's made like. Wow. One. Okay. Let's not put the cart in front of the horse. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, no, you know what? No, I'm saying it now. <laughs> you heard it here on the Uncharted Media podcast <laughs> in Undisputed. December of 2018. John, John Krasinski's the next biggest director of all time. Maybe one of the biggest horror directors if he can continue to turn out things as good as A Quiet Place, which, again, we'll be talking about that later because, ooh, I liked A Quiet Place. Any other people that you could think of for MVPs? For this year? Um, 
Ooh, I got one, but see if you can come up with any. Um, Emma Stone's had kind of a good year. Where's she done? Uh, La La Land. That I'm was last think, year. Um, was it really? It might have even been two years ago. You know what? I just hate everything about my memory. Um, I hate it too. Oh, man. I'm, I'm legit about to Google movies of 2018 just to make sure that I know what came out this year. Yeah, take your time. Um, I'll throw in another name in the hat. Josh Brolin. Yes. Not only was he arguably the most iconic villain of 2018 and leapfrogging his way into one of the most iconic villains of all time with Thanos... He also kicked a lot of tail as Cable in Deadpool 2. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, you know who's been up on the uprising lately and has really just been knocking it out of the park this year? Michael B. Jordan. Well, I mean, yeah, okay, yeah. I'd say he was already pretty established, but yeah, he's had two huge roles. He had Creed 2, but more importantly... He was Killmonger. I can't believe Black Panther came out this year, man. It this has been a long they year. Knew. It really has. That's why, like, I'm I'm scrolling through movies from this year, and like, I'm just blown away of the some of the stuff that, that I missed. Uh, um, but yeah, man, that he Michael B. Jordan definitely has had a really good year this year as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, He's come a long way since his fan four stick days. Poor guy. Which Forstick was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Which leads me to the worst movies of twenty eighteen. Because yeah. this has been a pretty good year for film, but that doesn't mean we haven't had some absolute stinkers at the box office this year. <laughs> yeah, there's been some bad ones. I'm gonna start off with the one that got me the most angry. Not necessarily the worst. I'll talk about that one next. Um, the one that got me the angriest of, come on, dumb decision central over here. Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Oh, man, this movie gave me aneurysms. <laughs> I mean, it, I so I think you and I are going to disagree on this one. Just did because I, I, I did. Yeah, I, I saw it, okay? I wouldn't disagree with you unless I saw it. Really? Okay, anyway. <laughs> but, because I actually kind of enjoyed this movie. Now, however, yes, okay. I will agree. There's some Defend really your case. I'm curious to hear why you enjoyed it. Not, not I, like, for sake of argument, but I'm genuinely curious what you liked about it. So, I enjoyed that they actually finally went with the, the storyline of, hey, we've got these dinosaurs, let's weaponize them. It was the the, the first oh, you time mean, like, they went for with Jurassic them. Park two and three. Anyway, um, I, no, they don't. They don't do that in those. Not to this extent. That the whole turning dinosaurs into weapons has definitely been used in previous Jurassic Park movies. So anyway, even in Jurassic World. Okay, so anyway. I don't know, okay? I enjoyed it. Chris Pratt is hilarious. True. Although, I will say, his character was a lot less charming this time around than it was the first one, and I'll say that about a lot of the characters in it. 
I agree. Yeah. No, a lot, this time around, a lot, everybody's uh, kind of bland. And the, yeah. the little nerdy kid actually ends up getting more on my nerves than both the nerds. Than, yeah. Than, than like what they're supposed to be, which is like the comic relief. Okay. So I'm about to spoil this movie if you guys care out there as to explain why I hate this movie. Um, so you've been warned if you care about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom spoilers, turn back now before it's too late. Um, we're about to enter the spoil room, so let's dig into this. They steal way too much of the plot elements of the bad Jurassic Park movies. This feels like a hybrid between Jurassic Park 2 and Jurassic Park 3 mixed with a little bit of Jurassic World, and it's frustrating, but to me... The point that I completely lost it and was like, nope, I'm done with this movie, is when you find out, again, spoiler alert, that the little girl is a clone. Really? <laughs> I hear okay, that, that was laughing. Really dumb. I didn't see the point. I didn't see the point of it. I was like, why does this matter? And then, <laughs> to make matters worse, the dinosaurs are about to die like they probably should, because we've had four movies so far to establish having dinosaurs exist in a world with humans is incredibly dangerous and is a bad idea to begin with. She's just like, oh, they're clones like me. They need to be set free and be allowed to live like me. So she releases all these dinosaurs on the world, damning us all to death. So, a little backstory. Oh, boy. Because of, of what the point I'm about to make. A long time ago, and again, when they were far, far away, not quite. Um, they when there was the rumbles of a new Jurassic Park movie were starting to surface. A trailer had come up. I'm pretty sure, like it was definitely fan made. However. The trailer was a four movie starring William Defoe, first of all, already on board, who is a hunter and an expert tracker. Uh, because there's news of a wild raptor, like in the mountains or something, like coming down on campers and killing them. And so he's been hired to go chase the raptor, right? So that alone, I'd be super down to see. So in my brain, having that in the back of my brain this whole time, seeing her release all of the dinosaurs, well, yes, stupid decision. My brain was like, ooh, we can get that William Defoe movie that no one knows exists. Wow. That's where you go with it? <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I had to defend my position. <laughs> But also, the trailers of it, it seemed like there's going to be a lot of interaction between humans and dinosaurs. So, like, that shot in the trailer of, like, the T-Rex roaring at the lion at the zoo or that big um, yeah. megalodon-looking thing in the ocean while the person's surfing. That is literally the last 30 seconds of the movie. Yeah. Again, why did you release the dinosaurs? Why are you a clone? Why does nothing make sense? Why do you have the grandpa from Babe in this movie? Oh, jeez. That's, Why do you uh, have more or less the exact same... It's pretty pretty far back in your, uh, your reference there, bud. Jesus. Yep. <laughs> Babe can always wow. be brought up. I think his name's Oliver Cromwell. Again, I don't know why I know Babe as well as I do, 
But a yeah, new... like, that's a weird thing to know. Like Oliver Cromwell could be in a thousand great movies, and I'll only ever remember him for Babe. But Jurassic World more or less just copied the villain from the last Jurassic World of a created in a lab dinosaur that goes rogue because of its genetics and is going to kill everyone and goes loose on everything. I'm like, you just used that in the last movie, except this time he's a little more raptor to it. Yeah, and I I mean, granted, I liked this one better than the last one, um, but dinosaur-wise, I felt like this one was more dangerous. Uh, But... Like again, yeah, no, you're right. It's this is the same thing. We just did this, and the charm just wasn't there. However, there's some worse movies out there. Before I get to the real one that I'm gonna have an aneurysm on, I'm gonna have I'm gonna poke fun at one that I had low expectations for. I saw anyway with a friend of mine. We both were just laughing the whole time, and that's the nun. Oh, man, I love the Conjuring universe, but this is absolutely a dud in every sense of the word. Uh, I didn't see it because you said it was awful. Lucky. So, okay. that. This, this is how bad it got. On two separate occasions, I counted down the jump scares and timed them to the second. Jeez. Like, I was sitting in the theater. I leaned over to my friend. Five, four, three... Two, one. Oh, look, a loud noise and a really close-up shot of something. Didn't see that one coming. But also, it's super weird because in the Conjuring movies, you have um, Vera Farmiga, who's going to be also in Godzilla King of the Monsters as one of the more, like, the paranormal uh, people, her and Patrick Wilson. Her Mm -hmm. real-life younger sister is playing one of the characters in the movie. They're not related at all in the movie universe. I thought, like, okay, are you going to be familially connected like you are in real life? No, they just happen to cast someone that looks exactly like Vera Farmiga in the Conjuring movies. I was like, all right, is this a younger version of her? No, we just wanted to keep it in the family. It it wasn't scary. It wasn't that enjoyable. You could see it coming a mile away. You don't care about the characters. It was one of the dumbest horror movies of the year. That being said, it's not as bad as Slender Man, but I didn't see Slender Man because I'm not an idiot most of the time. Yeah. So with that being said, though, it, that says a lot because of it being one of the worst horror movies of the year because, like, this year, including the past couple of years, have, like, been the years for horror. Well, there is a horror uh, renaissance going on right now. And to come into the middle of that and just drop an absolute goose egg says a lot. Well, I mean, the thing is with horror right about now is we're getting a lot of great ones, but we're also still getting a lot of duds too. Like, uh, Annabelle, Ouija, um, the first Truth or Dare. Truth or Dare was decent. Okay, maybe not Truth or Dare. Uh, what's it? There's another one. The Gallows, Slender Man, oh, yeah. Unfriended. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, for every Halloween, you're going to have a lot of Slender Man or... Yeah, that's um, fair. And it was upsetting with Slender Man because they, they definitely had an interesting concept that they could have done, but then they just kind of 
Well, Didn't. Slender Man, they were late to the party by like five years at least. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're like, oh, yeah, remember this internet fad from when you were in college? No? Yeah. Please see it anyway. Okay. Yeah. And well, that's the back. thing, though, is they, they, they could have done that. They could have done that movie way better. All they had to do. All they. Okay, you know what? I think I hate Slender Man the most this year because I did see it. And you know what? Oh, All they had Are you to a masochist? I, I mean, yes, but that's not the point. Um, all they had to do was do a found footage film of a guy in the forest. Dude, Blair Witch style. Exactly. That's all you had to do. And you didn't. You messed it up. You done goofed, A.A. Ron. Yeah, you took something that could, should have been, not could have, should have been extremely simple horror storytelling. And you just decided to cover it in just dog poop and then light it on fire. Well, that's your rant. Here's mine. The one, the movie that frustrated me more than Fallen Kingdom, if that's even possible. (sighs) Fantastic Beast, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Well, it's called The Crimes of Grindelwald, but Grindelwald doesn't actually do anything warranting a title, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Oh my gosh, this movie frustrated the crap out of me so much. Do we uh, do we need to put up a spoiler warning just in case here? You know what? Let's, because I want to get some stuff off my chest. Spoiler alert for Fantastic Beast: The Crimes of Grindelwald. If you don't want to know anything or the big twist at the end... Um, skip ahead a couple minutes. I'll try and keep this as brief as I can, but yeah, just fast forward. So we don't have to talk about some of the illogical things and the breaking of canon that happens. Do you care if it gets spoiled for you? No, I don't. Not at all. Okay. Let's, let's wade through the turd together. Um, so this movie takes place in 1928. Uh, wait, no, I think it takes place in 1935. I think. One of the two years. Well, Professor McGonagall is at Hogwarts because there's a scene really quick where they're at Hogwarts and she's there. She was either not born yet or seven years old in established <laughs> Harry Potter canon. And you can't so, write it off as, well, maybe they just didn't know. J.K. Rowling wrote the story for this movie. She should know her own bloody canon. Also, you get Dumbledore. Not nearly enough of Dumbledore, because he's actually one of the few bright spots in this movie. Jude Law was a really good young Dumbledore in his mannerisms, the way he delivers his lines. It's very much like the first two movies version of Dumbledore, the really good one by Richard Harris, not so much Michael Gambon. Um, For some reason, again, we break canon of in the Harry Potter books and the movies when Professor Dumbledore taught at Hogwarts before he became headmaster, he taught Transfiguration, just like McGonagall. Well, for some freaking reason in this movie, he just teaches Defense Against the Dark Arts instead. Yeah. But if you think I'm mad now, oh boy, I'm about to drop the biggest stupid bomb that this movie has. So the big cliffhanger, Luke, I am your father moment is at the end of the movie, Ezra Miller's character from the first one, Creedence Barebone, 
is revealed to not be Credence Barebone, but Aurelius Dumbledore. Dumbledore's never once mentioned long lost brother. Wait, wait, really? Yep. Yep, no, a character that has no, never once no, been mentioned before. No, 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 I don't believe you. I think you're messing with me. No, I hope I'm wrong. And I hope in the next movie, it's like, Grindelwald's just trying to mess with Credence to get him on his side. But no, there's this whole, like, stupid story arc of a phoenix will always come to a Dumbledore in need, which just craps on all of Chamber of Secrets of, well, maybe Fox was just a loyal pet. But no, he apparently, like, owes the Dumbledore family or something. Because the phoenix, like, flies to Credence at the end of the movie. He's like, your name is now Aurelius Dumbledore. And I'm just like, oh, my God, we're, there's three more of these coming? No, man. Yeah. That's why I was so livid when we talked about this movie a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's... It's a bad a, choice. It makes me angry. Let it die. Let it die. We don't need more. Harry uh, Potter is a, a mediocre series anyway. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. That's <laughs> my hot take. That's my hot take for the year. Harry <laughs> is a mediocre series. That's your hottest take of the year. I think someone's just butt hurt that Artemis Fowl didn't get a movie until next year. Okay, you know what? Here's the thing. No, that's not the case. Uh-huh. Because no, okay, you know what? We should dedicate an episode to this because you know what? I could rant for an hour and a half at least, which is a good thing because that's normally what our episodes run, um, <laughs> about the Harry Potter series. Did you read the books or just see the movies? Oh, I just saw the movies. I'm uh-huh, going that's straight. The issue. No, I'm be- yeah, no, I-, I understand that that's what I'm being told. However, I do not like being told that in order to appreciate one thing more, I have to read something else. That's not, that doesn't make sense to me. Why oh, would, so you didn't no, like the hobbits? No. I mean, I was forced to when, uh, in middle school, so. Because, I mean, the Hobbit, no, the Hobbit movies, essentially, they're just like, oh, you want the full story? Well, you're going to have to read the Cimmerillion and some other stuff. Yeah, they did. But the the Hobbit movies are complete trash anyway, so. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Battle of the Five so, Armies is essentially matter. Battle of the PlayStation 2 graphics. Exactly. It's awful. And then uh, Legolas randomly goes, um, goes all Mario. Oh, um, but yeah, anyway, we're not talking about that and we're not going to, uh, I'm going to stop my rant because we would be here for a while, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, I need something happy to talk about to kind of lower my blood pressure and my heart rate down to normal levels again. So Absolutely. let's close tonight out with best slash favorite movies of the year. And I think you and I can agree on what we think is our Favorite and best movie of the year. Josh, what is it? Well, we've been hinting at it the entire... Well, not even hinting. We've been flat out saying the quiet pl- A Quiet Place is, on our opinion, the movie of the year. Oh. Easily. It stands 
head and shoulders above everything else. I I actually had pretty high expectations for this movie. I was one of those people that was saying this is going to be something special based on the trailers alone before the movie came out. And even I was blown away by the level of success that it had, both it being a fantastic movie, but the success that it had of how much money it made. It's made like 20 times its budget. But just the quality of the movie itself, like, oh my gosh, the feels, especially at the end. Oh, yeah, just in general. The movie's fantastic, and for this to be John's first outing as a director, excuse me, as a director, is incredible. Like, bro, where have you been hiding this talent? Uh, maybe Pam was holding him back? Probably. It's not like The Office is a good series anyway. I mean, at least you're not getting on your high horse about friends, but let's not jump down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, a real quick side note, man. Like, all I did, all I said was that Netflix shouldn't spend $100 million on keeping friends on, on Netflix. Because there's other good shows, and I, I kid you not, I had at least twenty people unfriend me that day. <laughs> that day, I was like, guys, first of all, it's a TV show. Second of all, I don't even like. It's not a good TV show, even. Maybe they were just looking for a reason to unfriend you for a while, and they're just like, "Yep, that's a good catalyst." <laughs> that's the that's the straw that broke the camel's back. But, um. I don't know how to transition breaking camel's backs to talking back to a quiet place, but <laughs> a quiet place was great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a couple backs that get broken in the movie. We just don't see them. But like, I, I'm trying to think of a movie in recent memory that had better sound design than a quiet place. Holy crap. Mm. The sound was so good. And oh, okay. That's almost unfair. In a certain certain ways, because a quiet place, based on the premise alone, if the sound does not design isn't incredible and isn't completely a hundred percent on point, the movie fails. Oh, absolutely! But the sound design really, really worked. Um, the tension really, really worked. I still get really kind of nervous when I'm going downstairs for anything. Because that nail scene makes me paranoid as heck now. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, I know you and I have always said that the moments in horror movies where there's no music and there's no sound, those can sometimes be the most tension-building, most terrifying moments. And A Quiet Place uses that to its full potential. There's times, Yeah, that... You normally, some movies would put it, put on some kind of score or have some music or, or, you know, what have you have a loud, loud noise come in, but a quiet place doesn't, it's okay with having no sound, no music, no music. And then when noises do come in, they're deafening because you've gotten so used to normal, quiet noises. But this movie, to me, would mm-hmm. fall apart if it wasn't from the phenomenal performances. The acting in this is spectacular. Uh, you can absolutely tell the chemistry between Emily Blunt and John Krasinski as they're 
a real life couple, but just the chemistry between those two characters, the family unit as a whole, um, the girl, oh my gosh, she's going to be a huge star someday. She was fantastic in A Quiet Place. And just the whole ending sequence with the father and the sign language, oh gosh, that was so tough to watch, but beautiful at the same time and is so well done. Quiet Place, oh man, I could talk about that all day. I am I so agree. excited to see more of these movies because I want to spend more time in this world and I loved it so much. Absolutely. I I think the thing that surprised me the most is how John was able to use sign language, right? Which in, in this world, it makes sense for them to use it. But in in a way, he was in the way that he was use, able to use sign language to build tension because like normally you know subtitles are kind of annoying sometimes for the average american audience yeah but like you you want to know you want it builds that tension man what i love is something i didn't catch the first time but i've caught in subsequent viewings of the movie is more of the metaphoric meaning of sign language in this movie of the family ever since the tragedy that happens in the first 10 minutes of the movie the family has a hard time literally communicating with each other because they have this void in their lives that they've never fully been able to heal so them using sign language is a perfect metaphor for the lack of actual speaking to each other about certain issues that have happened no, absolutely. And it's just so well done, and the ending is phenomenal. It's a perfect illustration of um, a parent's love. It's a family movie at its core, which I think is one of the reasons why Heather liked it as much as I did, because she really likes family dynamic movies, and this was an excellent horror. It was an excellent family drama. It was just so well done as a whole. But um, my other favorite movie of the year... This should come as a shock to no one. Is another horror movie because I have problems. Um, Halloween. I know we talked about it in surprises, but I want to talk a little bit more about it here. This movie was what it needed to be. And it, it's the Force Awakens of Halloween. Of certain moments for any normal human being would make them scared. For me, I had the biggest freaking grin on my face. Like, without dipping into spoilers for you because i don't want to spoil anything for you yes go back and watch the first one before you watch this one because there's certain parallels of if you're a diehard fan you'll be grinning so much but if you're casual you won't necessarily get it but you don't feel like you're missing a joke because they don't like distract you from some easter eggs but they're nice to have but for me the moment that i knew i was to kind of put it in a certain way in safe hands with this was the opening credits i'm gonna spoil something for you now they bring back the pumpkin of course you you have to they literally recreate the opening credits from the first movie but do it in a completely different way that when the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do with the pumpkin shows up i had the biggest grin on my face the whole rest of the movie because of that i'm going we're Back home to the basics. And it's a combination, perfect combination of the 1978 classic and the brutality of Rob Zombie's. Actually more brutal than Rob Zombie's. 
and it was everything it needed to be, which I loved, and we're back to where it needs to be as a franchise, and I can't wait to see more of them. I can't wait for you to see it, Josh, so we can finally talk about this, but the opening credits made me happy. The soundtrack made me happy. This is the best Halloween soundtrack since the original. It's so good. How good is it? (laughs) So good that I listen to it year-round, and I know you've listened to The Shape Hunts Allison, which that's just a jamming song. I love that. Oh, yeah. So what are, what else are some of the some of the best movies of this year? Well, I know we're probably going to disagree with this, but I yeah. think one of the best movies of the year is Avengers Infinity War. Okay. I'll let you believe that. <laughs> okay, state your case as to why not. No, I don't I mean, I don't have to say much because everybody by now knows that I'm not a big Marvel fan. Um, this Infinity War was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. However, they turned Star-Lord, who is a thoroughly enjoyable character in two movies, into the biggest dick ever. Granted, I understand he's dealing with stuff, but still. And just some of the ways that certain events happen I don't agree with and however yeah. I'll give I'll, I'll give Disney some props to stick into their guns with the, with uh, with the snap um I, I'll give them props because they were like because it'd be very easy to be like Thanos gonna be all like yeah I'm gonna do it with the snap but like that's kind of like a really like violent way to kind of do that, do everything. But at the same time, it's perfect. And I'll give Disney that as they did, they did a good job on the snap, but it, it's not, it was a better movie than I thought it was going to be. I wouldn't put it up there on the uh, greatest movies of the year. It was definitely like one of the biggest movies of the year, but uh, not the best. Well, yeah, I really enjoyed Infinity War and maybe it it's hard to deny that yes, we know everything's probably going to be fixed in Endgame, but in terms of leaving the audience to, sh- to just sh- just just stunned, <laughs> I don't know why that was so hard to say. That was great. Because like, it great. turned into shunned and stuff. I, I don't know what was happening there. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but in terms of leaving the audience just stunned, there we go. I haven't seen a movie since that, since like Empire Strikes Back in terms of just what just happened. And for that, it just becomes one of the... There's no doubt about it. Avengers, say what you will about it, for better or for worse. There's no doubt. Infinity War is the biggest movie of the year. Oh, yeah. It's, it's that's, an event. That, that's, I did say that. I, it was definitely the biggest movie of the year. It's an event. The likes of which we probably will never see again. Honestly. Uh, we'll see. If DC ever gets their crap together. <laughs> There's a there's a saying we used to say at one of my former jobs, lower your expectations. No. <laughs> Dude, we can't even get no. a good Nightwing movie 
What makes you think we're getting DC movies? I will not let the Nightwing thing go. Nathan, in order to get a good Nightwing movie, we'd have to get a Nightwing movie. What? But there hasn't been a Nightwing movie. There hasn't been a live-action Nightwing first, period. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, but that's on the way to happening anyway, so. Well, on Titans. Um, yes. Yeah, I'll, Infinity War, I think, in terms of my favorite movies of the year, uh, A Quiet Place, Infinity War, Ready Player One, Halloween. Um, I hope to put Aquaman on the list and Bumblebee. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm hearing really good things about both of them, but since we haven't seen them, we're going to put them on both the best and the worst movies of the year. They're going to be Schrodinger's movies. They're both good and bad at the same <laughs> time because we haven't seen them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, any other last-minute thoughts or additions, Josh? No, man. Uh, I think uh, 2018 was a good year for movies. Um, and I think we've got nothing but good stuff. Really good stuff. Looking forward to us in 2018. 2019 is going to be a huge year for movies. Like, I'm yeah. so ready for that. Oh, dude. So, yeah, we'll be back in a few weeks at the beginning of January. We'll kick it kick us off with our 2019 movie predictions of what we think will happen in the calendar year. I'm sure we'll get a lot of it wrong, but we're going to have fun with oh, it yeah. anyway. Um, so, with that being said... We're going to take a little break, and we'll see you guys in the new year. I hope you guys have a really Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season with your family and friends. As for us, thanks for always sticking with us, and we're glad you've joined us so far on this journey and hope to see you and stick with us as we go into 2019. So see you next year, movie fans, and stay sharp, movie guys and gals.